And so I've learned how to communicate better, of course, but the fact that I can see those diverse connections as many of us with ADHD and other unique ways of and learning issues and, you know, non-left brain ways of understanding the world can do, you know, it's a great gift. I mean, I wrote my college application on why ADHD was a gift. And I still, to this day, believe it, right? Because you actually knew before you went to college? I did. I did. I was diagnosed when I was 13 with uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. Wow. Which was late. You know, nowadays they're diagnosed out of the gate, but I did know, but it was in a different world, right? Like there weren't accommodations. I went to a professor. I was going to say, no one even noticed mine. Yeah. I got extra time on tests and, and I had a parent who was a pretty strong advocate. You ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Catherine Avery of the Uncluttered Office Podcast and Catherine Avery ADHD Coaching. I have a great guest with me today, Victoria Shaw. But before that, I just want to mention Ada, who wrote the nicest review on the podcast. She said, perfect for business owners. I loved hearing more about time management and decluttering. Thank you. Today, Victoria is going to be on the edge of time management and decluttering. We're going to be really heavily into uh, the intuitive side of things. This is going to be really fun. So Victoria Shaw is an intuitive counselor and spiritual coach who combines her background and training in psychology and counseling with intuitive guidance to help clients heal, grow, and realize their full spiritual and personal potential. She takes a holistic approach to counseling, addressing clients' concerns on the mind-body-spiritual levels. She especially loves working with people who are committed to using their life experiences or struggles to fuel their own spiritual awakening. Been there, done that. Victoria is the author of four self-help books for parents, children, and teens, and the host of the Intuitive Connection podcast. So happy you're here. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah. And Victoria and I haven't connected in what, at least a year since you, more than a year since you moved out to San Diego. So this is also a chance for us to catch up. So watch out as two friends and colleagues get to catch up together. 
one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is you do have that psychotherapy background. And before we started, we were talking about sort of the broad range of different types of neurodiverse people and even the broad range within ADHD. I'd love to just take like maybe two minutes at most to just kind of set the foundation on ADHD. Yeah. And we were talking before we went live too about that difference. Okay. Is this something, is ADHD something that's in your brain and you're born with it? And right, you can see it on the neuroimaging and it's genetic, or is this something that comes through trauma? And I do think those are two different schools of thought. And as we talked about before, I think it's both. And I think the two things can often interact. And for me, I think that neurodiversity, because I am someone who was diagnosed with ADD, I'm the mother of a child with ADD. I am the daughter of <laughs> an adult with ADD and you know, probably going all the way back. So it's something it's and and I've worked with tons of families, children, adults that you know identify with having that issue. So it's something that's near and dear to my heart. But I do think, you know, I've seen people that develop this as a result of being born into a early chaotic environment where the nervous system wires sort of chaotically. And I've also seen this is just, you know, how the brain is wired. And either way, and this is what I want to talk about, I think it's a gift. I think whenever we are don't fit the box of the mainstream brain world, whatever, it is an opportunity for us to develop in our own beautiful and unique ways. So that's what I most like to share. I love it. I love the diversity idea and this idea that we're, yes, we can be a product of our environment. Yes, we can have the brain wiring. I think I've got both. I mean, I'm open about the fact that I have little T trauma in my life, maybe some big T trauma too. I mean, I am a cancer survivor, but when we embrace the gifts and listen, we got to manage the tough stuff too. There is Absolutely. tough stuff. You know, there's that ADHD tax of me not paying a bill on time, et cetera. And then there's also the energy we put into masking if we're trying to like not have people know we're ADHD. Before I knew I had ADHD, I was always masking. I didn't even realize I was, I was masking, but I was trying to fit in, right, to a neurotypical world. I think what we're going to find is that more and more people are going to be considered neurodiverse and that our world is much more colorful and magical than we ever could have imagined. Yeah, no, I think that that's true. And I think also people are going to feel freer to express their own uniqueness in this world, right? Rather than what you're calling masking, rather than trying to fit in, because I think we all try to fit in to some extent. And just for some people, it's just easier than others because in certain ways they, you know, are more aligned with being typical. Whereas some people, you know, they stray a little bit further naturally. So it's just harder to um, pretend to be something you're not. But I think the way of the future is everyone being who they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what we're here to do. And that's what's going to make the world a better place. I'm, um, watching the TV show. I've been dying to talk about this. So I'm just going to talk about it. I've been watching the TV show, The Good Doctor. Ah, I haven't seen that. And I do know a few people who have autism. Very, not a ton. Are we still using that word terminology? I just want to make sure. I think so. I think we can say that. Honoring terminology. And these folks all fall on different aspects of the spectrum. And so I'm watching The Good Doctor and I'm thinking as I'm watching, it really looks real to me. And so I actually looked it up to see if he was actually autistic. He is, or on the spectrum, excuse me, that is the terminology. I knew I had it wrong. 
yeah. if he was on the <laughs> spectrum and, and the actor is not, but had worked extensively with people who are, are cognizant, who are actually right. on the spectrum. Yeah. And I bring this up because... I watch TV differently now that I have an ADHD diagnosis and understand what's going on with my brain. I watch people and I think, huh, so they're really different. Why are they different? And what's that about? And and not different bad, different good. Right. Right. It's fascinating if we can harness the great parts of our brains and and use them going forward. Yep. Your area of expertise and, and how I really came to know you is through intuition. Right. And your intuitive gifts and your ability to help others experience their intuitive gifts. So I'd love to look, talk about that. How do we, well, first let's start with ADHD. How do we as ADHDers deal with our intuition? Yeah, it's a great or question. Or do we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I want to step back for a minute too, because I want to share what I think intuition is, because there's there's different ways of thinking about it. So for right. me, and I go a little woohoo here, so bear with me, even though I'm a highly educated girl. For me, intuition is that that part of yourself, that deep knowing. It's your connection. I believe we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And when we come into a human form, we forget you know, who and what we really are. And your intuition is the piece of you, that connection to the part of you that hasn't forgotten. So it's all of your wisdom, right. your deepest wisdom. And, you know, I think sometimes in the scientific community, intuition gets a bad rap as being sort of like stereotypes or automatic thinking or, you know, dumb, dumber than our logical, rational minds. It's actually where all the gold is. And I am a firm believer that whenever anyone is doing something to their highest potential, right. you know, whether they're an athlete, whether they're a scientist, whether they're an artist, whether they're a business person, whether they're a parent, you know, whatever it is, when you are in the flow, when you are doing you know, when you are at your peak performance, you are tapping into your intuition. So it's something that we all want to do. Now, there are people like me that do this for a living, right? And so it gets a little bit even, you know, more woo-woo, but we all have that connection. We all have that wisdom. And I think sometimes people who aren't neurotypical can actually access it more easily. Mm. My experience growing up was that I was so psychic. I was so intuitive. I had like every channel blasting at once that, you know, like I was picking everything up and not, you know, and occasionally getting something useful, but yeah. I wasn't able to control it. I wasn't able to use it. For me, this was partly you know, probably the genetics of having an atypical nervous system, but also I grew up in an extremely chaotic environment. So lots of lots of little tea going on. Way too many signals happening all at once. Yeah, one. yeah. And I was also an empath, which is a person that just feels into what other people are feeling. And, you know, I had a lot of hurty people around me that I was, you know, sponging up. So a lot of my journey has been to learn discernment and learn how to tune in to all the good mm -hmm. stuff and let go of what's not. Um, and so that can be a thing too. And sometimes I'll see my kids that come in with ADD and they're actually like energetically overwhelmed, mm. you know, just like I was. And so sometimes it's actually turning down the dial right. on a lot of those things so that you can connect just with the stuff that's really good. Right. But I do think that having ADD has really helped me. One of the things, you know, with, with what I do for a living. So one of the things that I've been accused of which is a typical ADD thing, but my children have accused, accused me of this as having no filter, right? I just uh -huh. see what I think. When I I'm, think as we get a little older, we shouldn't have to. That's my story. <laughs> I love that. But I also know that when I give someone an intuitive reading, right? 
I don't filter. I have that ability to tune in and let it all roll. I also right. tend to be the kind of person that makes connections between things that other people sometimes have a little trouble following. Right. right? And so I've learned how to communicate better, of course, but the fact that I can see those diverse connections as many of us with ADHD and other unique ways of and learning issues and, you know, non-left brain ways of understanding the world can do, you know, it's a great gift. I mean, I wrote my college application on why ADHD was a gift. And I still, to this day, believe it, right? Because so you actually knew before you went to college? I did. I did. Wow. I was diagnosed when I was 13 with uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. Wow. Which was late. You know, nowadays they're diagnosed out of the gate, but I did know, but it was in a different world, right? Like there weren't accommodations. I went to a professor. Yeah, I was going to say, no one I even got- noticed mine. Yeah. I got extra time on tests and and I had a parent who was a pretty strong advocate and she had self-diagnosed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And saw that in me too, which was very helpful. But I, w- I would take my exams in high school. <laughs> it was a funny story. I went to a very loosey-goosey high school and my teacher started to notice that I'd be always be absent on exam day. And <laughs> they're like, that's interesting. What's going on? And my mother, who was very perceptive, I have to say, I'll give her kudos for this one, said, well, you know, she asked him, so what happens when Vicky, uh, I was Vicky back then, when Vicky doesn't come to s- school, like, you know, what happens with the exams? And they say, oh, well, you should usually take it the next day during lunch. Right. And my mom said, it could be that she just does better if she takes it in a separate space, you know, because that wasn't a thing back then. And right. so fortunately, I was able to do that. It made a huge difference. And then lo and behold, you know, that little pattern of being absent on exam day vanished because something in me knew I could go take it in a separate space, which now, of course, if you have ADD and you're highly distractible, we know that's that's a great accommodation that most kids get automatically. Well, now it's interesting because I didn't. So yeah. I had a class called Algebra 2 with a wonderful teacher who I adored. And I would get so much anxiety and so stressed before the tests. And I, my mother would not let me not go to school on days that I was having a test. That was her uh, role. Yeah, my just did It's still my <laughs> role. So like today, my daughter's home, not feeling well. And I was like, do you have any tests today? She said, no. And I said, just, she's on the fence. It's hard to tell what's going on. So yeah. I just said, it's the better part of Valor to keep her home and just assess, you know, yeah. stomach thing. Does she have a stomach bug? I so, so we'll just let her stay home. And I ended up, uh, you know, always having to go in for these tests. Well, I would fail them. 
So I would have to retake them. And then when I would take them, I would do really well. Well, I was retaking them in the library. Right. So I said to the teacher, have you noticed I do better in the library? Could I start taking all my tests in the library? And they wouldn't let me do it because they thought I would be cheating then. And I'm like, but I'm not (laughs) failing the class. I'm not, clearly I'm not cheating. Right. (laughs) You know, but I was doing so much better taking the test in a different environment. But I mean, I don't know what your age range is compared to mine, but I was in high school from 80 to 84. Yeah, they didn't. About the same. Right. And back then, too, back then, too, it was believed that ADHD ended at puberty. So because it was in boys. Right. Because it was mostly diagnosed in boys. And so ADHD in girls, which is often more spacey, more internalized, less hyperactive, wasn't really recognized. And then also the hyperactive activity that we see in boys often does settle down or, you know, they learn to regulate around puberty. So it was believed that it was outgrown. So that was the other thing, you know, right. As someone who was diagnosed at 13 at that time, adult ADHD was just starting to be recognized. So, but I remember going to college and, and talking to a professor about asking for, you know, extra time on an exam. And, you know, it's like, what's that? You know, you don't need that. It wasn't a thing. So I'm grateful now that our world is more accommodating and understanding of neurodiversity. And look, I think we want to make everybody do the best that they can do. I don't think we even need to be competitive. I think if we lived in a world that said, what do you need to be your best? Let's help you find that and give that to you. We would be living in a much better world. Oh, amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I watch some of the things go on and I think, why are you competing with these people? You're uniquely you. You don't need to compete, but that's just a whole other story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not let me go off running in the wrong direction with my little yeah. ADHD brain. You're all good. But with the intuition piece, what I recognized later on when I learned intuition was a thing and I learned that I had it. We all had it, but mine was just really, really loud and strong as it, it can be for people again, with neurodiverse brains. But I realized looking back that when I was using my intuition in my academics, that's when I shined the most. Wow. Right. And so, you know, again, I was really fortunate to go to a school that was a little out of the box where I was really able to follow my own natural inclinations in ways in which I think a lot of kids are not allowed to do. So that definitely freed me up to use my intuition more. But all the way through my academic you know, career from high school to college to, I have two advanced degrees. So three, really, if you count my master's on my way to my first PhD. You have two PhDs? I have two master's and one PhD. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And oh my gosh, PhD is something that I only recommend doing once if you do it at all. It's a lot. But again, obviously I like school, but I can say all those shining moments, all those moments went and, and throughout my life, All the moments when I'm really in the flow, when I'm really have done my best work have always been when I was aligned with my my highest knowing, with my intuition. And I think it's true for all of us. And so, you know, I think one of the things that can get in the way of your intuition when you have ADHD is that super activated nervous system. Mm. So especially people that have the little T trauma kind of ADHD. And again, I think it's both for many of us and tend to just become dysregulated very easily and ungrounded very easily, you're gonna pick up on a lot of things, like, you know, but you may not always be tuned into the highest and clearest channel. Mm. So, you know, in those cases, it's 
it's learning to, you know, release, work through some of that stuff and also learning how to get present and ground. Because when we learn to do that, that's when we can be really discerning about really tuning into the, just the highest channel of our inner wisdom. Mm-hmm. But again, I think when you're in the box of that left brain thinking and it comes really easy to you, you imprint a lot easier <laughs> on this is the way life has to be. And and when we are totally in that left brain way of doing, thinking, knowing, it can be harder to find our intuition. Interesting. Yeah. I think I'm a mix between the left and the right brain. Yeah. Which is nice. As you should be. As you should be. We should be using them both. They're both valuable. It's just we live in a world that favors the left. True. And so we're out of balance right now. We're out of balance right now. And I might say, I don't know if the whole world values it as much as the U.S. does where we're living, meaning I think the left brain is like revered in the United States and that may not always be the case. I'm trying to think of countries elsewhere, like, you know, in the East, you know, there may be more reverence for the creative, the right brain type of thinking. I think there are probably some (laughs) still pockets of places, but I think as a whole, as a world, we are all pretty left brain dominant at this point. Uh And that, that logical way of doing things has sort of has sort of taken over in a way that I think is not balanced and not healthy in most cultures. Interesting. So you mentioned briefly little T traumas, and I would love, because you're well-versed in this, for you to kind of take us through what's the difference between a little T trauma and a big T trauma. Absolutely. So a little T trauma, you know, I think the term little T trauma came about because People always thought of trauma, you know, as something that disrupts the nervous system as these big things. Like I've been, uh, I've been, mur- you know, if you've been murdered, it's not a trauma, it's just over. It's, you know, dead. like a rape or a huge loss or a car accident, you know, or right. a major illness. And all of these things can definitely, you know, cause trauma or abuse. And all these things can definitely cause trauma in our nervous system. But really, trauma can be really, really, really tiny. I think of, Trauma is really any time in which, and again, from a more spiritual perspective, but it still works. Anytime that, you know, you come to this earth and the world doesn't reflect back your magnificence, right? Which oh. is the truth of who and what you really are. All those times, especially when you're really young, when, you know, you're like, mama, look at this beautiful flower I picked. And mom's like, your hands are dirty. Like, right. what are you doing in the garden, right? That's traumatic, you know? And again, right. if if you find yourself having, you know, censored your child in that way, that is okay. That is also your humanness and you did the best you could do. Right. But really anytime that we bring our, our beautiful, joyous, spiritual selves to the world and the world didn't, you know, mirror that back to us, that's traumatic. And then, you know, and, and that can range from an example I gave to someone who has their own trauma and their own issues and is just, you know, not responding with kindness or support um, in the way that we need it at the time that we need it. And it tends to be more impactful in those first, you know, five to seven years of life. That's usually Mm -hmm. where our nervous system develops. And so, you know, and also in the womb, we know. So I have worked with kids where, you know, mom experienced the loss of a parent when she was pregnant with that child. Wow. Right. And now if you've had that experience, there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you did the best you could do in a difficult situation, but I will see that, you know, oftentimes in the nervous system of that child. Right. And because you say that because I was pregnant 
and so concerned about my mental well-being that no one was really paying attention to my physical health. And then I actually yeah. was incredibly sick. And, you know, we're lucky to be walking this earth today. Right. But, you know, I was just Go so ahead. focused in on, you know, being so happy to be pregnant and excited about having a baby. And, you know, I was under, you know, people were making sure that I wasn't going to get depressed or get postpartum right. depression that, you know, other things were missed, which is, it's fine. I think I have a relatively healthy, well-balanced child. Yeah. It's Fingers all crossed. Good. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think we put our kids through therapy one way or another all the, at any point. So it's all good. It's all part of the journey of life. And that's the other thing, you know, we, we tend to want to assign good or bad to our life experiences. Mm. And it's, it's just about showing up every moment and doing the best that you can, you know, with increasing awareness. And our intuition helps us with that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think where we should go next with this idea of intuition. Do you have any sort of strategies people could use to start to tap into their intuition? <laughs> That's what I do for a living. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So many things. So intuition works best with a still mind right? So again, someone that has more of that ADHD kind of, you know, way of being, you know, the mind doesn't still super easily, right? It's like, ooh, shiny thing. But again, it's about finding those gaps, finding those spaces between the thoughts. And sometimes people do that through meditation. Mm. You can do that through exercise, repetitive exercise. For me, going for a walk is brilliant. Being near water, listening to music, you know, doing, you know, knitting, doing anything that stills the mind, driving people mm. a lot of times in the shower, right? All of these things. So anything that stills your mind is a great way to hear your intuition. When the mind is going chitter, chatter, chatter, it's blocking your intuition. It's right. fine. You, you're actually still getting, you're always, always, always getting the downloads and the information from your soul. Just that when you're thinking a lot, you can't receive it because, right. you know, you just can't find it. So anything that you can do to quiet down the mind is going to help you connect with your intuition. And then the other thing that I teach, which is usually what I say first, which is the most important is know it's a thing. Because as soon as you know it's a thing and you say, hey, I want to do more of that, and you start to value it and put your energy and attention there, life will show you how to develop it. And so many of us just don't even know intuition is a thing. But once you start paying attention, you're going to find it's happening everywhere. And also, you know, there's an expression, right? Like energy, it goes where, you know, where does it, energy flows where your attention goes, right? Mm -hmm. So when you start to pay attention to your intuition, you will start to develop it naturally. It will come to you. When people take a class with me, when people, I used to do a book group back in the days when I lived in Connecticut and, you know, we would read books around intuition and spirituality. And I would watch people's intuition develop just from reading these books. Right. Because they were thinking about it because it was becoming a thing for them. And so it starts to awaken. So the very first step is say, hey, I want to do that. And then life will show you how to do that. Right. Love it. That's amazing. Yeah. You have a podcast called The Intuitive Connection. I do. Love to I hear do. a tiny bit about that before we start wrapping up. Okay, perfect. Yep. So intuitive connection, and it's all about how to connect with your intuition. So we have amazing guests. I do a lot of teaching. I do intuitive readings on the show so people can kind of get a sense of what that's like. And also because we learn from each other's stories, but it's really about, I think that intuition is your superpower. Mm. We didn't talk about this so much and I know we're out of time, but it's your superpower for organization too. We often right. think organization comes from the left brain and it's, again, it's good to have one of those. I'm glad I do. And I worked really hard to develop mine, 
but it's those moments when I sit back and I, I still the mind and I say, okay, now what next? Mm. Those are the ones when, you know, I can follow the chain of what needs to happen much more clearly than if I'm like running in circles, trying to chase a thousand to do's. So, I love that. Yeah. So I, I almost want you to say it again. So we all really get it. So you're using your right brain or, you know, quieting your brain to mm-hmm. use your intuition to help you organize. Are you, is this, yes. Where does this work or does it work everywhere? It works everywhere because a lot of times we chase our tails, right? We right. get so frenetic. We get so wrapped up. I got to do this. I got to do that. Blah, 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 blah. That we kind of, it's the same thing as an overthinking. We miss the boat. Your intuition is here for everything. So it will show you everything. And I worked when I did my internship, I worked uh, as a school counselor, which led me to be a professional counselor. Anyway, I worked in a middle school and one of my colleagues, his whole job was organization and helping these middle school, particularly the boys, but some of the girls and many of them had ADHD diagnoses as well, get organized. And what he said, is it's such an intuitive process? Huh? What he would teach them to do is figure out what's going to work for you, what's going to help you. And again, that comes from within. Mm. So when we can take that step back and say, okay, I'm going to, I might have my to-do list. I might have my ideas of what my goal is. Now I'm going to take that step back and I'm going to surrender and I'm going to see what's next. Right. Your guidance will always show you the next step to take, the next way to do it. And sometimes when you're spinning and you can't figure out what to do, You don't want to hit pause because you feel like, oh, I can't hit pause. I have too much to do. But when you hit pause, that's when the magic happens because you'll, everything settles down. You'll be like, okay, now I see it. And the path will always be clear. I love that you're saying this because I talk with my clients about that they should pause, then plan and prioritize. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. I never called it intuition, but it's the same thing. It's, it's that thousand percent. stepping back, taking that power of the pause, that moment. And with ADHD, you know, we, we're not so great at pausing. Right. <laughs> we have to practice this, but it really is where the magic happens. Yeah. And I think, again, a lot of us have been taught to follow the brain and follow the mind, and then we follow it in circles. And, you know, when you have ADHD, sometimes you have an overactive mind. So you're circling really, really fast. <laughs> right. And sometimes when I have that, Victoria, what I do is I just brain dump the whole damn thing. Yeah. Which is a gift. everything in my brain and throw it on a piece of paper. Yeah. And then I pause because I'm like, right. okay, it's down now. I don't have to remember it. I can clear mm-hmm. my head. Yeah. And then and I then, can plan a priorities. <laughs> right. And when you've dumped it too, I mean, I think what you said is what I was about to say, it's so powerful is that the way I understand our left brain, and I also like I have a PhD in cognitive psychology. So in neuropsychology, like I'm a geek on this, so I'll try not to be too geeky. But the way I understand the left brain and the way that I use mine is it's a beautiful tool. But the tool for many of us has taken over, you know? Mm. So it's taken over our lives. We we don't use it as a tool. We think it's all the problem solver. We think it's our personality. We think it's everything. When you can let it be a tool for your intuition, when you can take that step back and and let it be the the tool, it's it's not the problem solver, it's the tool. Then you learn how to use it effectively. Meaning, you know, you can have that to-do list. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it comes from your intuition, it's so much more powerful. And then your your left brain will come in as a as a tool for your higher knowing and say, okay, let's work together. How do we do this? And that's mm-hmm. how I use my brain now. I have tons of things that I've learned because, you know, 
I've had a ton of education, but I don't lead with it. I let my intuition open the file drawer and say that thing that you learned in grad school is relevant now, rather Mm -hmm. than searching frenetically through the files, (laughs) throwing the papers everywhere, trying to find that one thing that I know. Right. And I think because my brain was somewhat quote unquote broken or atypical, broken is the wrong word, you know, and I couldn't do it the easy way. It's freed me up to learn to do it the right way. Love that. So that's what I think. Awesome. So that may or may not have been close to a productivity strategy. Did you have (laughs) something else in mind? Yeah. And I think it is. It's take the step back. Right. What Catherine said before, when you are spinning, when, you know, you feel I had an experience recently where I had like a ton of things to do and I, it was a before an event and I was really stressed out and my intuition kept telling me to go to the store. Right. And I had a thousand things to do. And where I was, the store is about a 20 minute drive. So that was a chunk of time to right. go to the store. I listened. I went to the store, it reset my nervous system, it calmed me down, it got me out of the chaos. When I came back, boom, 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 everything got done. And it's just a potent reminder of, you know, when you are spinning, first of all, recognize that, you know, and then take that step back. It will always, 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 always serve. And our brain will tell us, you can't take a break now, friend, because, you know, Uh those are the moments I know I need to take the break the very most. So what's interesting is that you had 20 minutes in the car. And we talked about how when we're in the car yeah. or in the shower or whatever, we're shutting all the chatter down. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, we sometimes we can be in the car and we're berating ourselves, yeah. which isn't helpful. But For like me on the way the, there. Yeah, it can be. If you can be in the car and like put on your favorite music for a bit. Yeah. Let it all calm down. For me, it was the shopping, I think, because it was something that I could do like it was, it felt productive. Like I needed this, I needed that. I needed, you know, it kind of got me out of the tumble. And sometimes we just need to step out of the energy too. And I was joking because the car ride there felt like it took about two hours of me going, I don't have time to do this. (laughs) Why did I listen to my intuition, which I do for a living and teach other people to do. And then the car ride back seemed like it took about two minutes, right? (laughs) Because my nervous system was corrected. And I was like, all right, I got this. Yeah, it's it's amazing the mindset and what we can do. There's so many tools that you share today that people can use. Yeah. How can people find you? So you can find me um, my website, which has all of the goodies, victoriashawintuitive.com. Um, and you can find links there to my podcast, uh, Intuitive Connection with Victoria Shaw. We have classes both online and live, how to activate your intuition and all sorts of good stuff like that. And yeah. And I'm on all the major social media platforms. I think it's at Victoria Shaw Intuitive on Instagram. I have a Facebook group, Intuitive Connection Community on Facebook. So lots of ways to find me. That sounds wonderful. Thanks so much for Yay. being with me all the way Thanks. from the West Coast. I feel like I've it's a long lost reunion. I'm so happy about Yay. that. And it was fun. I'll make sure to put information for people in the show notes. Thanks for being beautiful. Here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. 
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.